0: Welcome to episode 5 of Jabronis Only, we're talking about episode 2 of season 6, 7.30am on a Monday morning and it's Dennis Gets Divorced. Now it's always a good idea to go and watch the episode before you listen to the podcast because you'll get a lot more out of it and also nothing's going to be spoiled for you. We've reached episode number five already of Jabronis Only. Joining me on the line is the Mr. Mirth of Murfield. Uh, I normally go for Mr. Dewsbury, but um, I've gone a bit more hyper local, as they call it these days, because you're actually in Murfield, yeah. aren't you?
1: I'm in Murfield. It's G- Dewsbury's sort of more mature little brother. Been here since 1997. But I'll always identify stronger with Dewsbury than I do with Murfield. I love Murfield, but I'll always identify, str- I think, because Dewsbury's got it tougher. Than Murfield. Murfield's all right. Dewsbury gets targeted all the times. So I feel like I've got to defend Dewsbury more than Murfield.
0: So, yeah, Dewsbury's the, as you say, the big, the tougher big brother. But uh, Murfield's yeah. look like the, the well read, more mature, the, the little brother that goes to university, while the older brother has to like eke out a living. In Dewsbury.
1: <laughs> a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, yeah. Have you seen um, the famous film Kez? Yeah, so that's what it's like, isn't it? Judd, his big brother Judd, is like, he has to go out and learn a living because there's no dad in the family. And, uh, you know, that gives Billy time to be sensitive and bring up hawks.
1: Murfield is a very sensitive town.
0: <laughs> Dewsbury's little brother
1: i was just saying, with you, it's, it's it's more
0: complicated with you, though, isn't it? Like, where do you identify it as being? A oh yeah, yeah. Oh, me being a gypsy, yeah, completely. I'm a I'm of no fixed abode. My yeah, That's unknown. born in Germany to parents that were scousers who like lived in the next street to each other. They're like completely, yeah. they're completely the opposite to me. And um, then they travelled travelled around everywhere. They settled in Devon. Uh, my brother and sister settled with them. Um, but I, you know, went off to uni and then. I worked in London for 20 years and then came back and now live in Manchester, so I literally have no roots.
1: I know you're a Liverpool football fan. Is, is, is Liverpool the city or the area that you identify with the most?
0: Yeah, only, only because that's, as, as I say, my mum and dad, that's where they come from and most yeah. of like my uncles and aunties are there. That would be home if it was anywhere. But, and I lived there from the age of about two till about ten. Well, in, in Hale Wood where the car factory is. That would be, a, if it, home was anywhere, that would be it. Most people are so parochial and are so concerned about where they're from and take such pride in it and like do it to such yeah. a ridiculous level. I just find it really interesting when I don't have that. I'm free of all I, that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. But I think people have a habit of talking down where they're from. And, like, that's what draws me towards sticking up for Dewsbury. Like, I hate this trend of, like, when you in, in newspapers, they have, like, top 10 worst places in the UK to live. <laughs> and the people from those places seem to revel in it. And I've never really understood that. It seems fashionable to talk talk down where you're from. And I always try to rail against that. Like, Jewsbury in particular, like... Yeah, it's had a lot of bad stuff that's happened. And yeah, you can poke a bit of fun, fun at it. It gets to the point where it just becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like the more you t- talk something down, the worse it becomes, and it just becomes like damaged goods. So I feel like we're doing um, an intro to an episode of Who Do You Think You Are? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll find out that you had some uh, relative who was in the British Army who, who stole a <laughs> stole a cat and got hung for it in India. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, but we are here, as you quite rightly say, we're not here to talk about each other's backgrounds. We're here to talk about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and we're a random episode podcast, and the random number generator, Agent Jack Bauer, chose for us season two, uh, season six, episode two last time, which is Dennis Gets Divorced.
1: Yeah, Dennis Gets Divorced. I've got my um, intro, uh, my little synopsis that I've copied and pasted into my notes document, and it's quite brief this week. I mean, it's we, was, we should say that it's technically... Very loosely, the second part of a two-parter. Although, and we'll probably get into this, I did find it was easy enough to watch in isolation, but the synopsis of the episode is, Disillusioned, Dennis decides to divorce his wife. Charlie and Frank decide to split up. Dee discovers that Bill is cheating on his wife with her.
0: Yeah, you're right. We we, discuss, we um, discussed at the end last time when we realised this was the episode whether we should watch the one before. And I can't remember, is it just the one before where all this happens? Where... Dee gets off with Bill and Charlie, and <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but Charlie and Frank get married, and yeah. um, that, does that all happen in one episode in Get uh, Mac fights gay marriage?
1: I think two of the three are teed up. I think the the one that isn't quite teed up is D and Glenn Ponderosa. In that, I think if in the first, I think it's the first scene. Uh, and you know, in fact, it's the second scene where they're in the bar. The setup is that Dee's commentating on the texts that she's receiving, and that's the setup because I think again we'll we'll cover Mac fights Game Marriage, I'm sure, in the future. But in that episode, they have the the meeting, which is Dennis, Dee, Glenn, and Maureen, which to all intents and purposes is a double date. that yeah. does not quite work out. And obviously, Maureen and Dennis get together. Frank and Charlie get together, and again, we'll get into that episode hopefully soon. Then, yeah, the one that doesn't get teed up, if I'm right, is um, Dee and Glenn, which does get teed up very quickly at the start of this episode.
0: This is 7.30 on a Monday morning and first aired on the 23rd of September 2010. So it's 10 years old, this episode now. Wow. But again, it's uh, it's one of those where the time isn't just a random time. 7.30 on a Monday morning is crucial because it's Monday morning and Dennis is just going to work. Yeah. Normally, he might not be going to work, you know, <laughs> but he clearly wants to go to work as early as possible.
1: That took me aback a little bit when I first saw this episode and when I've just watched it again. I don't, you don't see that work ethic so much <laughs> from the that yeah. of responsibilities. But I suppose it's anything but spending time with Maureen. So it's like, I, I don't know whether he genuinely does seem, like want to be at work or he just wants to be anywhere, but with
0: his wife it's uh, it's the latter pretty significantly but yeah so we have the setup of he's married maureen brilliant like kind of side plot to that is that frank and charlie have got married and it must have actually from a you know from a writer's point of view from a character's point of view because of the way they spend their lives together it's not that much of a leap really
1: no no they're very much a married couple in everything but name out there in the way that they spend time with one another
0: yeah, and it works so well. So therefore, the, you know, even though you remember the first time you saw it, you sort of thought it's hilarious, it works really well because they work really well as a, as a married couple and, and the fact that they're married just ramps the kind of tension in their relationship just a little bit more and just enough to make it funny.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, again, I, it's so tempting to start to talk about that, <laughs> the journey that they go on to decide to get married. But the other thing they've ever mentioned that gets teed up and it's not quite as significant, but it's that Mac has been kicked out of the house as a result of Maureen getting married.
0: Yeah, and it, after the, the first scene, which is uh, Dennis and Maureen, Dennis going off to work and realising what a mistake he's made, essentially, that's the cold open. And then the first scene in the bar is uh what we call, in in writers' speak, of laying pipe. So they don't do it a lot in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and we've discussed before how they quite often ignore it in terms of, like, scene setting. And But this yeah. one... That scene tells you absolutely everything you need to know. Because first of all, which is hilarious, Frank and Charlie come in arguing with each other. It's hilarious in itself. Yeah. Then, um, oh no, it's Dee comes in first, doesn't it? She's trying to get their attention because about the car and no one cares, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Frank and Charlie come in and they're arguing. And then we haven't seen Mac and just, the camera just pans and he's washing himself in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> so it sets up exactly where everybody is and their the journey of these relationships.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it's a—it's again, we'll get into this. It, it's a milestone episode in many ways because it's the start of Glenn Ponderosa's demise. So you mean me Bill, Ponderosa. Saying, Bill Ponderosa? Bill Ponderosa. I'm calling him Glen Ponderosa.
0: You're thinking of Glenn Ponder, the uh, uh, Alan Partridge's uh, bandmaster.
1: <laughs> I'll say that. I'll say that bit again, and you can edit it.
0: That's fine. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the start. This this episode is the start of Bill Ponderosa's demise because earlier in the series, it's a little bit more pronounced, but we see Rickety Cricket, who's introduced to us as a man of the church, and he's introduced to D. and then, you know, it's a, it's a longer arc, and it's a more gradual arc of his sort of destruction, first becoming homeless, and then just, like, destroying himself further, or being destroyed by the gang. With Bill Plonderosa, it happens fairly suddenly. And the other sort of demise as well is, is Maureen's as well, so obviously she develops, in, in later episodes to becoming part cat sort of reaches a crescendo with the Bird lore episode, uh, the trial of the century. And then it's also um Uncle Jack's debut episode.
0: Yes, and that is a, as you say, that's a real a milestone. And I wondered when I was watching it if it is, you reckon this is his first appearance?
1: I think so. I mean you know, so when you've watched so many of the episodes, that's one thing you often struggle with is, is yeah. you're so used to all these characters in placing them in, in the context of the wider series. But it's, it's a relatively early episode in the series and Charlie introduces him to Dennis and Mac and he's framed up quite comprehensively, whereas in other episodes he just sort of appears.
0: Yeah, and he's, so, he's one of my favourite characters. I, I mean, let's get into the character call-outs now because that's, uh, yeah, that's a guy called Andrew Friedman and he's so good. Jack Kelly, um, Uncle Jack. You know, his character flaw being just something ridiculous that he's got a thing about his hands being tiny. And of, of course, and he's like, again, a Simpsons call out, but he's like the Lionel Hutz. Everything that the lawyer uh, is, Uncle Jack isn't that set up in this episode as well. But shout out to Andrew Friedman, who's absolutely sensational.
1: Yeah, he's brilliant. And to be fair, the, 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 the issue with his hands and the insecurities about his hands, it does mask something a little bit more sinister.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, I've got notes about that as well to talk about as well. But what a, jo- what a job. It's always a pleasure to see uh, Uncle Jack uh, in terms of. How funny he is! There's a lot of bad stuff that comes with him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because obviously the the scene that Uncle Jack's introduced—the first thing that he says is, "Oh, great to hear from you. I hardly hear from you anymore these (laughs) days."
0: Yeah, when he's he's like trying to get them to join hands, and (laughs) Charlie's shoving him away. Yeah, so you like you know straight away something's not right here. He's got a good uh, a good IMDb page. I mean, recently he's been in Glow. Have you ever seen Glow?
1: Yes, I have. Yeah, I enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, I've not seen it, so it's like on my. I must watch that very soon list. Yeah,
1: it's on. Uh, I watched it a few years ago. actually. I, I, I don't know if I've seen the second or third. I don't know how many seasons
0: there've been. I've certainly seen the first one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Lynn Shelton, who's the main writer and director of it, um, died recently. Oh really? But, oh. Yeah, because Mark Maron, you know, Mark Maron's got one of the biggest podcasts in the world, and to stand up yeah. went to see him last year. I really like his uh, his podcast because he's in it, and he recently. Uh, been in a relationship with lynn shelton so it was, it was all quite quite hideous really um so yeah. uh rip shout out to uh to lynn shelton um andrew friedman's got a role in um live free or die hard which uh, <laughs> i presume i'm just presuming it's a terrible film but also he's got a role in Be- better call saul and he's got a, a a role in our um sidebar favorite new girl yeah i'm just
1: read I'm, I'm looking at the same page as you and yeah he's, he's- I don't remember seeing him, I must not have seen that episode. I've certainly seen him uh, in Better Call Saul, but I haven't seen him in New Girl. And he's also, that's where I knew I'd I'd seen him, he's in Curb Your Enthusiasm as well, in The Anonymous Donor, which I can't remember what season it is, but he plays one of the diplomats, not diplomats, one of the delegates at this um, charity fundraiser. You know, it's the same when you see people in different stuff, but he's playing a vastly vastly different character i don't think you could ever play a similar character to uncle jack in anything else though
0: no it'd be a very interesting program if you did you know jack kelly lawyer that would be a very interesting uh, uh, <laughs> show of its own that'd be an
1: interesting conversation to have it'd be probably worth a podcast episode about if you were and i know there's other programs we've discussed that you know that mark that Mark's written and that cricket's written and that cricket's in but if you were to create an always sunny spin-off who would it revolve around? I think Uncle Jack would be definitely
0: up there. Yeah, if you had a um a Frasier style spin off that it became bigger than the show itself. Yeah, J- Uncle Jack would definitely be up there. Cricket, obviously, would but that would be <laughs> that would be a very dire show. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what, what stage of the arc they decided to uh, start the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. it could be like a prequel, couldn't
0: it? Oh yeah, yeah. Good point, yeah. Matthew Mara. And I just love it when, because you know the arc so well um, with cricket, I love seeing those early episodes when he's so clean cut and he's... <laughs> it's good because you just feel so bad for what's coming. I love seeing him in those early episodes.
1: Yes, the one, I think it's when the, the, the gang exploits a miracle. And yes. The, to bless the miracle.
0: <laughs> um, so other character call-outs, obviously we've got the Ponderosa siblings and yes. uh, Catherine Reitman... Uh, is fantastic as Maureen, and as you say, especially in terms of how her arc develops, in that she actually becomes a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's in um, something that's done really well on Netflix recently called Working Moms, but I've never seen that. No,
1: I'm just looking as well. She was in uh, Knocked
0: Up. Yeah, Knocked Up's one of those films that I avoided for ages, and actually, it's quite good. It's quite a good film.
1: She was in I Love You Man as well.
0: I'm not seeing that. No, me neither. <laughs> is, that a, well. um, is that a is that an Apatow? I think it might be, is it
1: no, no, I don't think it is,
0: but she is so good in this in terms of to be fair, she doesn't actually have a lot to do, but what she does, she does really, really well in this episode, yeah
1: I mean they take her in a different direction, obviously later in later in the series, but she's got a sort of like sort of possessive bunny boiler um character, like my wife has a theory about the character, and that is that she had this plan all along to marry Dennis and to to get his money. Because, if you remember, they obviously went to school together. She may know that, obviously, with Frank in the the picture, the amount of money that's swimming around. And and Sophie's theory is that she married Dennis with the long-term goal of divorcing him and getting his money.
0: (laughs) i like that
1: interesting theory it's obviously not presented that way in the show it's presented in the way that in the episode sorry it's presented in the way that like dennis just destroys destroys the marriage
0: (laughs) and uh and then last of course the the other big star of this show is lance barber as bill ponderosa and again bill ponderosa has such a great story arc because he's such a loser i think you texted me a couple of years ago and said "Pondy's is such a great guy or you know "Pondy's." We love we all love Pondy. Whenever he appears in the future. He's also such a loser, but um they always they love hanging around because they just don't get what he actually is.
1: No, and do you know again that was something that took me aback in this episode watching it is just how normal he is. But he they take him into a really dark place with Frank, don't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, they really do in the yeah, in his arc. And but in in this episode they they turn the dial on him as well because he's saying to, you know, have some consideration, I've lost my kids and stuff like that. And then <laughs> <laughs> when D's got, got the car, is actually she thinks the woman who turns up is his wife, but it's not, it's his mistress. So he's got D, <laughs> yeah. he, and he's got a mistress, and he's trying to kidnap the kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a great tweak on that sort of like classic scene that you always see where it's everything blowing up in the guy's face and the wife finding out and you're watching it and you're expecting that you're definitely expecting that's who it is so it's clever that they did that and just added that extra layer just to really rub his nose into it
0: now Lance Barber seems to be one of the main stars of uh, Young Sheldon which uh, is not something yeah. I'm familiar Is that a um, It's a spin-off of Big Bang Theory?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't think. seen it.
0: Yeah, I've seen a few Big Bang Theories, and they're okay. It yeah, seems absolutely. to be like a one-joke show. This guy's a geek, and the others aren't as There's big geeks as he time. is.
1: It's done incredibly well.
0: We shouldn't be trash-talking about another sitcom, really. <laughs> <laughs> so the only other characters, um, obviously the lawyer. It's great to see the lawyer again. And uh, he does uh, another great job in this in this episode, appearing right at the end to sort everything out. Um, as is his want.
1: It's great that they do that with him because obviously he plays this sort of almost like a one-dimensional role. And that's obviously not a slur on, on him as an actor or a slur on the character, but he's there to play a very definite role, which is to be exploited and taken advantage of by the gang. And this is the first time that, you know, he turns the table. The way they set it up is that like Mac called him in the middle of the night. <laughs> drunk yeah. was thinking of uh, divorcing Maureen so yeah it's, I, I think it's a brilliant way of setting it up but yeah. I just think it's really interesting to see him to play that role sort of taking the punishment he's doling out the punishment
0: played by the brilliant Brian Unger as we discussed last week when we got delved into his career a little bit more then there is Bill's wife and his kids and of course the dancers as well uh, but nobody yeah. else has anything kind of significant to do in the show that no. deserves a call out I don't think
1: I think Bill's wife does quite well like with the little bit that she has. And, like, again, Sophie made a comment that, again, this probably might be a nitpick, but with the casting of Bill's wife, Sophie's immediate con- comment was, oh, she's so- she's way too good for him. She's way out of his league.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think you need that, don't you? I think if... Yeah. If Bill's wife turns up and she's as bad as he is, um, yeah, true. it's another kind of part of chipping away at Bill, isn't it?
1: Yeah, he's had it so good.
0: And the only disappointing um, part of the lawyer turning up, of course, is that Charlie and the lawyer don't go tit for tat. But it's um, <laughs> that is rescued by the fact that it's Uncle Jack who goes tit for tat. i get get into that in a, in a little bit. So in terms of scenes, there's uh, there's a lot of mini scenes because there aren't that many scenes or setups here, but there are a lot of mini scenes within scenes that make it all flow along. Just as a mini scene, a little scene when they're in the pole dancing club, the motorcycle dance. When <laughs> I love that, I absolutely love that.
1: I just love the opening shot that there's just them guys, those guys sat around a table, and like I was at this point, Dennis is texting. But the rest of them, they're just like letting loose and dancing while sat down at the table.
0: Yeah. And we've just, dis- we've discussed the first scene, how great Maureen and Dennis are together, like together, but ultimately apart. That is a great scene. I haven't got in my top three, but it's very close, as it, as you said before, when we first meet Uncle Jack. A, because it's the first time we ever meet him. Uh, B, because it's such a great scene. And I don't know if you've, do you go on YouTube and watch the, um, the bloopers,
1: yeah, no, exactly yeah. the ones that
0: you talk about. Yeah, so there is, a, there's quite a few bloopers from that scene where he's introducing them for the first time. It's such a great scene, and you know that scene turns on. It absolutely turns on the moment when they mention the is it the elephant drawings, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Frank gets just a little bit emotional and admits that they're actually quite good. And they, uh, <laughs> and they actually come back round and realise that they, you know, they're actually good together. But and you know, and also you could come out of that scene that Jack thinking that Jack actually is quite a good a lawyer because he solves the problem by annulling the marriage.
1: That's one of the things I took from that scene is that you know, looking at in the context of having seen Uncle Jack in a lot more episodes, he does seem like a reasonably competent lawyer. You know, he gets them an annulment, he delivers what they want.
0: Yeah, and that's the first time we ever see him. So you could think he's a bit weird because actually he's a decent lawyer. But it's also, it's so so well set up that he's a terrible lawyer because he's so badly dressed. <laughs> that kind of shit brown jacket and like kind of awful tie.
1: He's also as well, like you mentioned the dress and, you know, Charlie dresses, like we've mentioned in a previous episode about Charlie's sort of lawyer outfit. And it's almost like a, an origin story. You know, despite like Charlie's unease around Uncle Jack, it's clearly one of the reasons that Charlie is so interested in in being a lawyer himself.
0: Yeah, 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 totally. The three scenes that I've got, and obviously you can call out more yourself. Uh, number one, the boys are back in town. Now, this scene, which is when Dennis has, has realised he's got to do something about it, but what he does about it is go off with Mac and get drunk, and they come back to the <laughs> flat. But this scene has... It, as written here, it's got everything. You've got the them dancing, you've got drunk de- Dennis, you've got Maureen's fury, you've got the craft studio being introduced, you've got the, the, the mention of fear and Marky Mark, and you've got Dennis just suddenly shouting, divorce! <laughs> so, so this scene, it might not be the best, but it does a great job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other good things about this scene, one of the other good lines from this scene, it's just the way that he addresses the dead tooth. He sort of tries to talk around it a little bit. <laughs> Oh, it's the I'm going to say it. you've got a dead tooth you realise that don't
0: you and the Marky Mark thing I really like because it's another thing about the gang that they have this such like respect for any kind of celebrity at all so if you mention <laughs> any celebrity they're always all in on it they love it there's those times when they talk about the rock and the, all kinds of People, anybody they mention, they're all always all in on it. That's like Marky Mark in Fear, and they like oh, they both know what that means straight away.
1: It gives the authenticity in their eyes. If somebody can use the, the analogy, or use the reference, use a film reference in what they're doing, then it's it's a much stronger signal to send. <laughs>
0: So number two in the scenes that I've chosen is that um, that second scene that I talked about before, because it lays all the pipe, but it does it in such a great way. Because you have D, um, you know, trying to get them to be interested in in her. You have Charlie and Frank arguing like a married couple and doing it so well. One of the baselines and one of the, the real like rudimentary parts of Charlie's character is he is so nice and so daft, but he can get from naught to like a million in terms of fury straight away. He's just like spend so much time being furious.
1: Yeah, and he, but he goes through everything, doesn't it? Because at the very start of that scene, the setup is that talking about the papers that Frank had him signed. He said, "Oh, you know, I thought it was a firm bill." <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I've got that as one of the lines actually. The, my favourite bit in that whole scene, Dennis is is doing as Dennis often does. Again, this is a signature thing. Dennis kind of doing a summary of the situation and what they have to do about it, and he says, um, "D being such a whore and all." <laughs> and she, because they've not listened to her and she's got a car, that's what his mind is interpreted. And the, the look she gives him in the background, <laughs> as if, like, what have I said? <laughs> My favourite scene, I think, is, as I said before, is the last scene with Uncle Jack and the lawyer. And it's just because of the sheer reverence and, like, Uncle Jack is a chi- is like a child when he realises he's met his match. You know, he's not even overawed. He's just like... <laughs> He's like the opposite. He's like a kid meeting his hero. He parrots back everything he says because he's so much in awe. And and the way and it works so well because the lawyer like follows it. He doesn't like rail against it. He, you know, he even says when he says, "Can you put your hands over mine?" He's like quite willing to do it, and that makes it so much better.
1: It's, yeah, definitely. Is that scene as well where, like you say, he's met his match. It appears at first that uh, Dennis and Mac have got their guy. They've got their lawyer that's going to stand up to the lawyer, and he says. And again, I don't know if this is sort of one of the other line in its own, but he just Uncle Jack says, "Hold on, fellas," and he just sort of steps forward yeah. and introduces. Him <laughs> yeah. and he, but then, as you say, it immediately disappears, and he's just absolutely met his match, and he's just in awe of him, you know, for the rest of the scene.
0: And the other thing about that, as you said, and it didn't, it hadn't occurred to me before, but they always have this reverence and this this reliance on the lawyer because they think he sorted something out, and he never actually has anything he's sorted out has always been to their disadvantage. But because he's a lawyer, they just, and they, they have a relationship with him, in their heads, he's always sorted things out and he never has.
1: Frank says, doesn't he, he says, let's, let's get that lawyer, he, he, he does good by us.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and that's based on absolutely nothing, other than the fact that they know him. <laughs> so have you got any other scenes that you wanted to throw in?
1: Well, you mentioned the dynamic of uh, uh, Frank and Charlie as a married couple in, in the second scene in the bar. I like the dynamic that they demonstrate where they're in the strip club and they're having their argument about making it rain and about allowances.
0: Yeah, it, it's such a great demonstration and built on such tiny things.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's just like, like oh, when um, when Charlie produces his... Uh, Documents. So <laughs> this is the, like chances this is where it's all been for.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's
1: a shred of hope that they can. They're, they're at the strip club and it's almost like a couple's retreat to try and reconcile and and find why they got married in the first place. Then obviously it backfires. If you just break that down, it, it's like two heterosexual men married to one another at a heterosexual strip club trying to get a couple's dance <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you break it down that's exactly what it is and yeah i i had that written down about him producing the document as well <laughs> some reason he's looking really weird he's got he's like he's wearing his jacket like a cape and he's got like his money in the purse and he brings really slowly brings it out and gives charlie like one dollar like an allowance <laughs>
1: One thing I like about when they go to the strip club is that there's never sort of any like preparation or they never get dressed up to go on a night out. The the way they set up going to the strip club is like, oh, you're going to throw me a bachelor party, Mark. Let's go now. And then they're there and they're just there in the clothes that they're wearing. There's no pretense. They've got no sort of long-term plan or designs. They're just like, we're going to the strip club as we are.
0: You're right. There's another great part in that, which is where Dennis is texting Maureen. And because Dennis is a last word freak, he can't can't understand it. And of course, the great thing is, of course, the other three are not interested.
1: No. And yeah, as I said, the the opening scene of them in the, the strip club is those three having the time of their life and Dennis with his head in the phone. It's, it's like a reverse of, of the first scene, or the second scene rather, where D's on the phone and being ignored. So it's Dennis getting the same treatment.
0: Indeedy. So I th- I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Uncle Jack meets the lawyer as the standout scene.
1: I'll agree with you there. And I'll add one aspect to that scene that I think is worthy of mentioning. And it's towards the end where the uh, outcome of the case is revealed and Dennis has to pay, is it $90,000 of a debt? Plus Alimony. Maureen and the lawyer hug in celebration, and, and Uncle Jack joins
0: in. <laughs> and I, yeah, you're right. I I noticed that. And and as I say, that thing where the lawyer is so in control of it, he doesn't even care. You know, he, he lets he let he lets Uncle Frank. He does. He doesn't really Uncle Frank. Sorry, Uncle Jack. He doesn't really um, mind that he joins in the hug either.
1: He knows how humiliating it is for Dennis and Matt. <laughs> they approach this situation, We're like we've got our lawyer, we've got our guy to stand up to your guy. And the lawyer knows how embarrassing their guy has been. And I think he's reveling in how embarrassing it's been for
0: them. So we have a clear winner. So in terms of lines, my two reserves are uh, when they go to, uh, it's not that great a line, but just the way he says it, like everything's okay, and it's clearly not. But when they go to Bill Ponderosa's house and he grabs the kids, they arrive and he goes, Ponderosa's Ponderosa.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one to hold in reserve. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and again, Bill Ponderosa time. When she comes in and she's like really fed up with him and he's eating pizza in her dressing gown and he goes, want to have sex? <laughs> <laughs> that is clearly the the worst thing that could happen for either of them by this stage. But he doesn't know what else to say.
1: Yeah, and this is what I was saying earlier, or I meant to say earlier, is that with um, cricket's destruction, it's almost instant. Sorry, no, it, the opposite. Sorry, it's it's over the course of a few seasons, over, over a f- you know over a few episodes, and each time you see him, he's sort of regressed or whatever the right word is a little more. Whereas with Bill, the moment he moves in to the flat with D he's sat in a dressing gown with his legs spread. It's <laughs> yeah. always like an instant. It's obviously a running theme that anybody that the gang comes into contact with, that they manage to engage with over a, a decent period of time, they absolutely destroy.
0: The weightlifting one where they get um, Tiny to eat a shit sandwich. <laughs> the ultimate version of that, isn't it?
1: But they do that, if you look, they do that with every character. So if somebody meets them in passing or controls their engagement with the gang, like the lawyer, for example, the lawyer controls when he sees the gang. If the character loses that control and the gang gains the control of the situation, they ruin that person's (laughs) life.
0: (laughs) And there's a physical aspect to it because if you don't come out of your environment, they can kind of have an effect on you, but you can still hold on. I'm thinking here about the high school principal because they don't yeah. <laughs> quite ruin his life. He doesn't come to the bar or anything. And and the kid who's the juggalo, I love that episode, and I love that kid, uh, by the way. I hope that comes up soon. But, yeah, they he, he kind of walks away unscathed as well. <laughs> um, so the lines that I have to choose from as best lines, and as I say, as we always say, you can chuck your own in, and you've already mentioned number one first. You told me it was the phone bill, dude. Of course I signed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that's brilliant. I just lo- I just love that, because, as you say, that scene... Has a bit of everything, and it. it has the sort of range of emotions from Charlie and him, him being able to turn it up a notch when he's angry. But at the very bedrock of it, at the very foundation, is that sort of innocent naivety that he just trusts everybody around him. It's not just stupidity; it's that he'll willingly sign something that's put in front of him.
0: The ultimate kind of version of that is that he got married to Frank. It's you know he will. He's even prepared to do that because he thinks <laughs> that's the right thing to do in his innocence.
1: Yeah, it's a brilliant line. One of my favourite lines. I mean, to probably say it's of the entire series might be pushing it, but definitely up there with my favorite favorite Charlie lines. Certainly, uh,
0: the second I have is from the um, the the boys are back in town scene when he's describing Maureen to uh, and the craft studio. Uh, Dennis to to Max says she makes terrible sweatshirts out of cats or puts cats in sweatshirts. I don't know. <laughs> and you you do get to see those sweatshirts, don't you? In the next episode, I think.
1: Yeah, well, that's laying the groundwork for Maureen's own little arc, isn't it? And hers, you know, you don't get to see... I suppose, well, in South, say you don't get to see it as much, but you do get an entire episode dedicated to it, don't you, with making Dennis Reynolds a murderer.
0: Yes, and that's one of the special, almost a uh, you know, standalone episode, but it's so well done.
1: That, that, that line and, and just putting the... I mean, they probably didn't think it at the time, like having Maureen have this... Um, craft studio and having denny's net the cat reference i'm sure at the time they didn't think let's run with this and see where we can take but it did lay the groundwork for something that'd be a really funny aspect in episodes to come
0: yeah, no you can see that as a uh, a writers uh, meeting somebody throwing that one in. What if Maureen actually <laughs> becomes a cat? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sure there were some dissenting voices, but they definitely <laughs> were they definitely went with it. Yeah. The third one I have was um and it refers uh, overtly to Uncle Jack being a pedophile because he because when Dee comes in and mentions the kids, he says, are the kids confined in any way like in a crawl space or a backyard bunker? <laughs> And it's just a throwaway yeah. line, but it's li- literally put there so that you know that if you think he's a bit creepy, then it's just a confirmation that he is.
1: He asks it in such a sincere <laughs> way. He asks it in a way where he's genuinely trying to help and provide
0: assistance. <laughs> yeah, and as if it's uh, pertinent to the case as well.
1: <laughs> then he add on to the line, the, have you touched them yet? <laughs> yeah.
0: I know it's awful absolutely awful but so well done
1: it's a hard in many ways it's a difficult character to like yes reason, I agree with everything you've said that he's an outstanding like character on the periphery but if you break down who he is and what he is it does make him quite difficult <laughs> to like you could dislike him more and i do wonder whether they will ever explore that whether they will ever decide to take the risk of exploring that theme in a little bit more depth i I don't want to go into too much detail talking about it but it'd be interesting to see as i say if they do explore that more that darker side of it.
0: yeah as you say that would be quite an episode uncle jack's come up and saw uncle jack goes to prison or whatever but uh would be sensational do you have any other lines you want to throw back at me?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say though, that with Uncle Jack, another time where they visit that is Gun Fever Two, still hot. Um, Uncle Jack's with Frank where they do they're going to the new studio, and Frank's there to talk about guns, about gun ownership, but then Uncle Jack takes with him some t- tasteful pictures of children.
0: <laughs> and yeah, and again, it's just like double awful because all Frank's trying to do is sell more guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah my other lines so i'm um, 100 with you on the ones that you've mentioned but the ones that i pulled out just as sort of honorable mentions one in the very first scene uh, where dennis is slowly acclimatising to life as a married man and he's very worried about maureen rooting through his stuff and he says don't go into those drawers and maureen goes why wow, what's in those drawers just my sex tips
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and before that he, he says i haven't had time to do a full pass yet
1: <laughs> so yeah i really enjoyed that line um i also enjoyed the uh, line from maureen as well where she says i don't drink i think i don't i kind of think i don't like drunk people i think it makes people look ugly <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well you're in the wrong plan you're in the wrong marriage there love <laughs> and then I had,
1: um, and I, again, I mean, I feel like we're saying this every week. And we may just be on a really good run of quotable episodes, but there are lots of good lines in this. It's a callback to what you mentioned about uh, Frank and Charlie playing the married, quarrelling married couple so well, and the screaming about washing the dishes. And Frank shouts, "Nobody washes the dishes. We eat the food off the table, and you know it."
0: <laughs> and, and again, that's a little insight. That uh, one of those things that you totally expect. You would expect that to yeah. uh, to come out, and so you don't even flinch at that d has got lots of great lines, like, you're going to jam the car in my face.
1: <laughs> I also have two small ones just to add on. I mean, we've spoken about Uncle Jack quite a lot. But that scene that we mentioned, which we've decided is our favourite scene from the episode, where he says to the lawyer, you could be a hand model. You've got the goods.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I also like, talking to D lines, that she's trying to convince herself and the others right through this that it isn't about the car she says that that line she goes uh, had to let my guy go had to let him set him free
1: <laughs> yeah well she's texting as well in the the second scene which is as I said, which is giving the commentary of what she's doing i think that's brilliant
0: yeah, yeah you know when it comes to it when in the scene with the dressing gown scene as i say the car's off the table
1: <laughs>
0: so in terms of ickiness we've talked about uncle jack's a pedo and he's great <laughs> but it therefore makes him hard to like but also you know I've got to mention yet another visit to a pole dancing club. There's so many episodes where we end up in pole dancing clubs because he's making it rain. I think it's more any visit to the pole dancing club is always about Frank's character rather than the others.
1: Yeah, I think it's for, it's for Dennis and it's for Frank, isn't it? I think probably mostly for Frank. But Charlie and Mac, I think, just go because they just want to hang out with the gang. And like they're just they dancing, they're doing the motorbike dance on the table. I think I've zero
0: interest. <laughs> yeah. Um in terms of nits, you've mentioned, yeah, casting of Bill's wife. Maybe something else could have been done with her character or...
1: I agree with what you said about the fact that she does seem a bit out of his league. It helps to frame up who Bill is and what he's become.
0: Did you have any other nits to pick? Um, I had one icky bit,
1: which I think we've already mentioned, which was Bill in his underpants on his <laughs> sofa.
0: But as you said, you know, it's so key to like the immediate descent into hellishness that that coming into contact with any of the gang does to
1: you in terms of other nitpicks i'll be honest with you like you mentioned it as one of your favorite parts and and it is a good part in terms of what the point i made about the movie references but fear and marky mark this is just down to me like i'm not a very well-versed person with with classic films i'd have to look that one up
0: yeah i i wouldn't i didn't know that either that reference like i said that just immediate reverence for something somebody's done in a film that makes it even better the fact that I didn't know that reference,
1: but that was it. I didn't have any other nits to pick beyond that
0: one i've added I've added a new category by the way, and I think I mentioned this to you years ago that I was thinking of starting a spreadsheet of all the t-shirts that appear because there's such a thing Mac and Charlie always wear a yeah. t-shirt yeah. you find yourself looking at their t-shirts well at least I do, and you've got the yeah. appearance here of the classic Detroit smoking gun, which is yeah one of the classics, oh. and then the Deer Park Tavern, which is Mac's second t shirt makes a yeah,
1: it's I noticed that one. He doesn't wear that one very often, does he?
0: No. So just shout out to those two t-shirts if you. Uh... I'll
1: keep an eye on the next episode we watch.
0: Uh, and Charlie doesn't wear a t-shirt in this. He works. It wears his McGregor grey hoodie all the time.
1: That's classic Charlie outfit. Isn't classic
0: it? Charlie. I mean, the classic I think is the tiger logo um, sweatshirt um, tracksuit top, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 definitely. But I like. That. I do like the grey hoodie. It's like it's like a working man's outfit when he's got the grey hoodie
0: on. So, who won this episode? Definitely, Maureen Ponderosa and the lawyer, of course, together.
1: And the lawyer.
0: And, the lawyer. and in fact, you could say everybody was in the hug, because because um, <laughs> Uncle Jack definitely doesn't lose anything.
1: <laughs> no, he doesn't. He gets what he wants, which is reunited with his nephew, and he gets you know the ph- the photograph <laughs> with his new hero as well. So he does quite well out of it.
0: Yeah, get a photo for the website.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as well, and the fact that Mac has to take the photo.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ultimate, the ultimate ignominy.
1: I was going to say it's not so much a winner or a loser, but I love at first when I when I watched it, I thought, oh, they, they don't really resolve things between Dennis and Bill. But obviously, on reflection and, and having watched the episodes I've watched since, it's great how open ended they leave it. It's as I say, it's unresolved, and Bill obviously comes back again and again and again. Yeah. The fact that Maureen wins the episode. That becomes a the theme with Dennis at various stages trying to get out of pain, his alimony to Maureen.
0: Yeah, and I'd actually just to go back, there's one, it's not a nit, but one, the only other thing that I, um, and it's kind of come up a bit, the only other thing that I considered with this is whether Frank and Charlie could have been married for like the whole of this season or for much longer
1: yeah, yeah, it's sad that it came, came to an end so quickly. As we mentioned, it is funny seeing how competent Uncle Jack is as a lawyer, but I think there's definitely some potential there. And although, you know, having said that, we haven't reviewed the first episode yet. But yeah, I'm certainly with you there. They could have definitely carried that on throughout the first season, just explored the possibilities of that.
0: And in terms of who won, I'll throw another um, uh, a curveball at you. Maybe Dennis won because he wanted to get divorced and he did. Yeah, 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 he
1: did. And Mac, because Mac, Mac, I think Mac as well, because Mac gets what he wants, which is, you know, he gets back in the apartment with Dennis, and he doesn't have anything to pay either.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: true. And Charlie and Frank get what they want, so really, I mean, (laughs) I'd have some contention with saying that Dennis won, because he does get what he wants, but he also gets saddled with
0: $90,000
1: of debt and alimony payments, which, as I say, comes up again. Yes. As in upcoming episodes in the future. But, you know, beyond that every, everybody pretty much gets what they want
0: apart from d because all d wants is the car and she doesn't get the car yeah, true. <laughs> so true. but that's you know,
1: that's a running joke, that, you know, the, the, the thing with d and, and the cars the, 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 she's always been robbed of her of her cars isn't she
0: so. you're right it's a good um it's a good point that uh, they don't just leave that kind of the fact that he's got to pay alimony and stuff and just leave it unresolved they do um you know build a season or part of the season around that so it's good
1: Yeah, and just the way they set it up with Bill, just, I I can't pinpoint when we next see Bill, but he has (laughs) diminished
0: considerably from (laughs) the last time we saw him. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say? No, No. another
1: good episode. Really enjoyed it. Um, Lots of quotable lines, as I say. I like the storyline. As we've said, it's definitely an episode you can watch in isolation. A lot of stuff gets set up in the episode prior, but it doesn't take long to catch you up. It wouldn't be one that I'd recommend to a new fan to watch as their first episode. Naturally, I'd recommend to watch the one before it first. But you could easily pick it out when you're on your rotation and looking for an episode to watch. It's easily watchable in isolation. Yeah,
0: really, really good episode. Yeah, another really good episode. So let's turn to uh, Agent Jack Bauer and find out what the next episode's going to be. So we have one to 14 for seasons. How many times yeah. am I pressing generate? Uh, twice. Season 11. How many episodes in 11? 10?
1: Season 11 is... Yes, 10 episodes.
0: So how many times am I stroking this cat? (laughs) Just once. Just once. So episode 4, season 11.
1: (laughs) That's Dee made a smut film.
0: Oh, what a great episode. This
1: episode has Frank playing... Character of the art critic, yeah, Ongo
0: Goblogian.
1: It's one of my favourite scenes in the whole series. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that one. And Charlie plays an absolute blinder in this episode as well.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's a really good setup. And to be fair, it's a really interesting. They frame it around D making a porno film, but the co- yeah. the uh, overriding question is what is art? And <laughs> yeah, and they answer that in a very "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" way. So it's superb. Really? Very much Probably. looking forward to t- watching that and talking about that. Cool Good news We'll get a
1: bad episode eventually
0: Yeah exactly We will get a bad episode Or a less good episode
1: (laughs) It's called less good
0: But they're all uh, They're all winners at the moment Just like you and me Yeah All that remains to say is It's a good night from me It's a good night from me